This is Transistor.fm. Hello and welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2022. I'm Justin Jackson, one of the co-founders of Transistor.fm. And this week, I'm speaking with Philippe-Antoine Lehou. He's from Quebec City here in Canada, and he is the CEO of Missive, which is an inbox collaboration tool for teams. Really interesting story on how they grew Missive in a pretty competitive category I really enjoyed this chat. I think you're going to get a lot out of it, especially if you've wanted other stories of people building indie SaaS apps. This is a team of three co-founders, really small company, just a perfect example of how you can make it as an indie SaaS. Let's get into it. How's it going? Fine. Thanks, Justin. I should have tried to do a little bit more. Philippe Le Who? It's perfect. Philippe, Philippe. Uh, <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> And you're in you're in Montreal, right? Quebec City. Yeah. In Quebec City? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. We're actually we're planning on doing a transistor team retreat, our first one. And we're going to go to Montreal. Is it possible to do a day trip from Montreal to Quebec City? Uh it's like three hours to go and to, to go back. So six hours trip. So it'd be a six hour trip. But it's a really nice and beautiful city. I would do my retreat in Quebec. It's it's, it's better. Yeah, well, I'd I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> Next one. I'd like I'd like to go to Quebec for sure, because I've only been to Montreal, and uh, but I hear great things about Quebec City. And Quebec City, I've heard has, like Montreal has old Montreal, mm-hmm. but I've heard Quebec City has way more of that. Yeah, well, it's a different geography, right? Uh, Quebec is a rock. Like the old Quebec is at the bottom of a rock, right? And then there's the Citadel, which is the English army post at the top. So with the St. Lawrence River, so it makes for a really uh, nice place to visit for a few days. Uh, Usually our our team retreats, we go in place with beautiful landscape or like nice activities. So it's like, it's refreshing for the team. So usually we we don't go to big cities because we find it's kind of hard to to get most out of it. So yeah. So I would say Quebec has a really nice spot for a retreat. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, if we like it, well, it, it's kind of like a, a midway point for all of us because I'm out here in British Columbia. Uh-huh. Helen is in the UK. John's in Chicago. Jason's in Ohio. And so Montreal is actually yeah, makes funny sense. enough, a, a, like a midway point. And so you've been building Missive for, how long have you been building Missive for? When did you start it? Yeah, I think the first line of code dates to like 2014, but it was really okay. just an experiment at the beginning. So I'd say really 2015 was the start of the real project. Okay. And what was the, the impetus for building it? Your, your tagline for Missive is the team inbox and chat that empowers teams to truly collaborate around email how did you get the idea? What was kind of the motivation to experiment and build it and write that first line of code? Yeah, so the idea at the beginning was to actually collaborate on draft. Really, uh, the, the first POC, the first experiment, and we were kind of, the, the three of us, the three uh, co-founders were experimenting with different projects. And uh, we also, at that moment, created a, 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 a startup called Conference Badge, which was a service to design and print name badges online, right? And oh, it, cool. it, it started to get traction and we were at the point like, okay, now we need a help desk or a way to do support and collaborate. It's just like all solution at that time was like, whoa, like feels like pretty rigid and we just want to do email and be able like to collaborate. And uh, I don't know if Slack was a thing at that point, but I don't think so. But, uh, or yes, it, it just started out and just the idea of being like quickly able to chat around an email, like that, that was just a spark, right? And and then we like, we could even like be like the Google Doc of, of 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 email, right? You can draft an email together as a team, and so we're three French Canadian, and um, English is our second language, and I 
my, my colleagues, my two co-founders are really great in English, but I make typos after typos after typos. So, <laughs> so in a way, all this project was about being able to quickly filter what I send to people to prevent me from doing all those stupid mistakes. So what was it like customer support emails that were coming in and you're and you're like okay let's we we need a way of um collaborating around our replies or was it sales emails was there a specific use case where you were like man it would be great if this email was like a Google Doc that we could all collaborate in the first really important you'd say thread that we did in Missive that we found wow it's quite powerful is that at the time the project conference badge like our main partner Evan Bright so we had a special relationship with them and a lot of email exchange uh, about the partnership and that's really at that point we said like uh, at that point we didn't have Missive so it's just like copy pasting emails like wow that'd be so damn nice if like that those long emails that we all need to validate as co-founders if we could just you know, chat around in the right context of it, right? And even being able to draft it together, all right? So, so it wasn't really customer support. And that's funny because given it was not our own first use case, it's not something we push like until like a year after we launch it. And that's yeah. really where it started to work, right? Where people kind of saw that there's a potential and they wanted to pay for that solution. Because at first there was no assignment, right? There, there was no things related to customer support. So uh, it was a big, like people didn't really, uh, at first, saw potential for the use case that we did see a potential, right? With Missive, you have this idea, and it's just kind of a guess, like, oh man, it'd be great if we could collaborate on this. What was the first use case where you saw the market respond and say, oh wow, I need this, I'm searching for something like this? A lot of excited users at first. A lot of early adopters tried Missive because the UI was nice. It was really like we crafted a nice email client from the first day, right? People, mm, it's nice. But a lot of those early adopters are solo users or excited programmers or, you know, people that we knew about or they knew about us and they were following what we did. And they're not really in the crowd of looking for a solution to collaborate on, like, let's say, support email. So at first, those first users weren't really willing to pay. Okay, And then slowly, through, I don't know how, sheer luck or slowly trying to reach out to people on Twitter, we did find our uh, first paid customers, which were people really interested in just being able to collaborate around email for the purpose of customer support. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you you were just like like replying to people on Twitter, like someone would be saying, "Hey, I, I'm looking for a way to do customer support." Or where did those inter- how did those interactions happen? Like, what were the signals you were getting on Twitter? Yeah, so Twitter product hunt was the kind of first obvious channel at that time. We're uh, and still to this day, we're we're I would say. Uh, quite bad marketers. Most of our customer right now are just referrals from existing customers. It's just voice, uh, you know, it's just recommendation. And uh, so we, we ship the referral program and it's working really well because a lot of users were just, you know, naturally sharing the solution, right? So yeah. But if you look like our ECO, SEO or organic reach or whatnot, it's not really good. We're really starting to focus on that. Because it's just like wasted money that is sleeping if we if we don't. But uh, yeah, yeah, the channels, the first channels were directly pinging people on Twitter, uh, and then reach out to people that was unsatisfied with existing solution. That was really a good one, right? So people complaining about their help desk. Oh, so you, you enter the conversations. Oh, have you looked at my product? Right, I'm the mm. co-founder. And when you say. People think like if you reply to people on, on Twitter, it feels like spam. But when it's in the right context and you say you're a co-founder, like mm-hmm. usually they are quite happy. It's like, oh, nice. Thanks. Right. It looks like a nice solution. And I can even ask you questions. Right. So at first we were kind of shy of doing this. Right. But now it's like uh, at some point it's like we, we saw like the response was really good. So, yeah, for us, it's also hard to um, at first um, have the confidence that our product was good enough. Uh, it's weird because okay. this is based on our personality, but uh, you know you have founders that like from day one, even if the product's not really good, it's, it's the best one, right? For us, like as early adopter ourselves and has a really high standard, it was really hard for us not to see all the problems you knew the product had, right? 
So for yeah. us to be able to be convinced it was a really good one took really a long time. And we were actually convinced by our own users. Like we started having more and more conversation with them. It was like, now you're like really it's changing our life. Our business is completely revolutionized by the product. It's like, it's just not for support. It's for everything. Now all our users, like we ditch Slack and we, we just chat in Missive. It's our business dashboard. And at that point, that's where the confidence grew to just being more um, active at, at being uh, at reaching potential customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I'm, I'm just looking at your product hunt launch, and <laughs> it says uh, we are from Quebec City and previously launched Conference Badge, which now generates $50,000 a month in revenue and funds our development on Missive. So you had this other product that you built that was helping to fund this product here. Yeah, fund Missive for, uh, let's say, beginning of the pandemic, so two years ago. Oh, wow. Not, not, not that Missive wasn't making money. It's just we stacked the money in Missive. So we didn't have to pair ourselves with the revenue from Missive. We would just reinvest, yeah. right? Uh, but for, like the pandemic, obviously, if you, if you look at the name of the other business, Conference Badge, like the pandemic yeah. completely annihilated that, that business. And luckily for us, Missive was already profitable, right? So we could yeah. just switch salary to the, to the other corporation. But yeah, Conference Badge... Uh, fund missives and it's funny because uh, every time we're kind of post on the acronym or something that there's a debate in the comments like they're not really bootstrapped because they fund oh. <laughs> with a previous like that's irrelevant but yes we, we were actually funded by our previous uh, uh, project which is still running and slowly get, getting back into track but we're not uh actively running it anymore. So it's, it's a, a new partner. That one's, I, I love the idea of that conference badge business because it's just so simple. And you could tell with that, like you must get a lot of search traffic. Like most of your traffic must come from search traffic, I'm assuming. Yes. Still, most uh, customer comes from uh, uh, event platforms like Eventbrite or uh, Universal, oh, okay. the platform we integrated it. So, so people like use those platforms to get uh, uh, people to pay to attend the conference. And then on those platforms, there's plugins, right? And Got conference it. batch is usually the best one. So so they have their own like uh, like sh- shop. They have their own yeah. app store and conference badges on that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that, that was the perfect business model to bootstrap. It took conference batch to five months and to get profitable. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right now, if you search for conference badges, at least when I look you up in Ahrefs, conference badges, it says you're number one. Yeah. So that's, that's I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> if anybody is searching for, you know, conference badges, how do I print conference badges? And, and but the funny thing is not that we even tried, right? It's like, <laughs> this is sheer, let's say not luck, but the quality of the Google algorithm, because we never really invest much in SEO. Yeah. Like that's the story of our two businesses. It's just like we really actively just worked on the product and people sometimes are pissed that we say that because it, it never is like that. You, you can never just build a product and it works. Maybe it's just luck. But in our case, that's exactly what we did. And we yeah. did it with a simple product, Conference Badge. But now yeah. we also did it with a complex, really complex product in a really crowded uh, place with Missive, right? So... Uh, I would say it's possible, but yeah, I mean, the, from from my uh, ideological standpoint, the 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 it really shows that the market dictates a lot of your success. You have people in motion. You have people searching for a solution. You have people. They they're. Uh, it's even almost better because you're like the next step in a path where they're already in motion. I've already created an Eventbrite account. I've already created an event. People have already registered. How do I print conference badges? Yeah, people, and- like, yeah, yeah, they have no clue, right? And it's a pain. The process are a pain. And the other product on the market are from like old school print shop or really old school like event furniture websites, like you need to call, get a quote, proof. Yeah. Like how is just like what developers want or like millennials want. It's like I drag image, I do my things. It's kind of a mail merge. 
and uh, and and I get my badge, and then you can have badge like the design for VIPs, journalists, and whatnot, and it manage like all this in a nice UI, right? Yeah. So it's really easy to sell, right? It's like the market is there, the people are easily identifiable. As with missives, like it's so general, it's so general that it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah, I think I think your story is actually an interesting case study because on um, with conference badge you have this really simple to define product. This prints conference badges from your Eventbrite registrations or whatever. And you have people in motion and you also have a very short funnel like there's no like work you have to do in terms of like let's really show people why they need this product. Let's let's uh, do some education and and show them how they can use this in their life. It's the the funnel short. It's like I have an event, I have an Eventbrite account, I have registrants. Shit, it's the night. It's the night before the conference. I got to print these badges. How the fuck am I going to do that? And then it's like, oh, here's the solution. Whatever it costs. I'll pay for it. I got to get this. You know, it's like the just-in-time solution. Mm-hmm. So contrast that now with Missive. What, a, as you were exploring all that, I mean, you are still in a space like, like you said, there was existing categories that you latched onto. It sounds like customer support was the initial one. Was that kind of the, was that the trick? Was like you had to at first attach yourself to an existing category to kind of get your foot in the door. So people would yeah, start using so it? The honest answer is, is we attach our, our foot to a competitors, not really oh, okay. space, right? Yeah. So in our case, like uh, front app, which right now, today, if you look at both products are quite similar. Uh, at the early days, they were quite different, right? So the, the, theirs was mostly a, a, like a central place for social media, right? Got and it. in our case, it was really about emails. It was an email client. Uh, the app didn't really change much, but the marketing of both product kind of converge, right? In the mm-hmm. sense that both are unified inbox. Uh, it's, it's both are about email. Both are about not being like your old L desk that mm-hmm. rigid reply using like an HTML that people don't want to see, right? Yeah. Uh, and as a small player that didn't raise money, three co-founders not good at marketing. The things we find is like if we look for those unsatisfied users, that's a really yeah. easy way for us. So none of or now it's different, but like two years ago, none of the people paying for missive had not at least tried front, right? Yeah. Most of them already knew all the product. And a lot of things we hear, we heard, sorry, is I'm so angry. It's like, why didn't I find you guys before? I lost my time. Like for many reasons, they were unsatisfied. Of course, they have a lot of satisfied users, but yeah, a lot of were unsatisfied. And there was like, why didn't I find you? But like, I'm sorry, I'm trying. Like we, we do the most so we, like people can find us, but it's just we haven't found the, the, the right way. And for front, it's easy. They have 100, I, don't, I think they raised like more than 150 million. So it's just like they spend ad, like Google ads. It's like it's, mm-hmm. we try, it's like 50 bucks a, a click. Like if you've done 50 bucks of click ads, it's, 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 it's quite expensive. So it's not something we do, right? So... By, and, and now there's more competitors. Now we're going with also Zendesk that is trying to evolve, Entercomp. Like, so we apply that same models. And mm-hmm. so that makes it hard for us because we never go after the, uh, I don't know the word to use, but uh, the people that have no experience, right? They all know yeah. the product. They all know the features. They, they, they have like a hard, rigid set of things they want. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's no bullshit, right? They know what they want. It's like we don't have, but we don't have to educate educate them on what's a shared inbox or commenting in, on their emails. Or they already know those things. Oh it's yeah. Not like I go to a freight business and like you're using Outlook, it's so bad. Now I'll show you a new way of doing things. Like the freight yeah. business on Missive, they already did it on a, a competitor's product, right? Yeah. So that's how we we did it as a small team. Yeah, and I think that's a great strategy. Honestly, as, especially when there's uh, an incumbent who has raised a bunch of money. A good example of this is Calendly. So Calendly kind of, there's a few scheduling tools before them, but they come in and kind of 
with a bunch of funding, carve out this entire space for uh, calendar scheduling, calendar scheduling links. And if you look up calendar scheduling link on Google, Calendly is probably the first uh, result. Derek Reimer comes along and says, well, look, this category, category already exists. Calendly has done all of the work to define this category. Mm-hmm. There are people now who want a Calendly alternative and are actively searching for Calendly alternative. The market is massive now. And if I can take a small percentage of that market, that's still a great business for an independent team. And it sounds like the same has happened with you as well. There's yeah, these yeah. larger competitors. When, when did you figure that out? Like, when did you start? I noticed, like, you rank for front app alternative. When did you get that intuition that you should start um, uh, looking for people like that? That What's funny is that we both applied to YC at the same time, right? Oh, okay. And, uh, and we applied a year before with Conference Badge. And PG replied to me personally. He was amazed at our graph of revenue with Conference Badge. And we yeah. did the interview in SF. And at that point, it wasn't PG. It was the guy from Gmail. I don't remember his name. Plus, okay. like, a few people I don't know. And it was like, they talked about mail merge at that point, And we had no clue what it is, mail merge. We had no clue what Excel <laughs> or mail merge. It was like, well, sorry, mail merge. Yeah. And instead of saying, I have no clue, and you're just old. Like, nobody, our customer, <laughs> don't know about mail merge, right? They want to use conference. But we were like, well, mail merge, I don't, you know. So we failed. We did. Yeah, like, we weren't a billion-dollar company, obviously. So it's like, they're, yeah, we're, we're, they're just green badge, right? So, so we failed at that point. But with conference, uh, with Missive, uh, we were invited back, but not the first time. At that point, uh, we were refused with Missive, and then we saw in that batch front, and was like, oh, that's quite similar, actually. And when we mm. saw they were raising money, and there was no competitors, so they were the first one. And we were kind of shocked, right? Because we had been working for a year on that thing. It's like, oh, it's quite similar. We were shocked. And uh, at that point, it's when, okay, let's let's do a, they're going to grow. They're in YC, right? And in our mind, mm-hmm. YC was like, at that point in 2013, it's like every single big new business was coming out of YC. It's like, they're going to be big. Yeah. Are we going to create a small page? You know, we have basic knowledge of SEO, obviously. We've been on the web for a long time. So it's just like, if, if we're the first, we're going to have, some points, right? Even if we're a small web page and being yeah. the first for a few years, Confront took time also to grow, right? Uh, no one did page comparing to Front for a long time. So for that reason, even if you, I think you search Front pricing, Front emails, like Missive, it's like, it's, 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 it's so that's quite good. And yeah. it's funny. because You're I right had, there. I had calls with people. I'm, 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 I'm slowly moving from coding to marketing and, Ad calls with a lot of people doing SEO, and there was like, oh my God, like people at front must be pissed. <laughs> they spend millions yeah. of dollars and then you rank on their front pricing. I mean, when you're an indie, when you're a smaller company, you have to do arbitrage. Like that's that's the way it works. And it's it's really a great opportunity. When when a company like Front is getting, I think they've got 135 million in yeah, funding, or even more, I think 140 almost. Yeah. When you get that kind of money, the idea is you need to spend it to grow the market, to uh, create the market, to build, 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 see what works, throw some stuff up against the wall, uh, see what acquisition models work. They can do all that money. That money is now the category's money because mm-hmm. they're spending it figuring out you know what works educating the customers getting into organizations spending their energy doing it and it does help to create a wave of momentum because if they're successful and all of a sudden the market starts waking up and the category starts forming then an indie can go right alongside and just kind of ride that wave with them and it sounds like that's what happened. Yes, and our biggest fear when they raised that massive first round was like, oh, they're going to lower the price. I mean, mm. In our mind, missive or front at that point, it's like, it's not a help desk. It's mm-hmm. a communication hub for 
SMB, right? You want everyone in the business in it, like in Slack. Everyone is in Slack, right? In our mind, yeah. Missive is just not for support. It's for more than that, right? So we always priced it so everyone can join. It's not like only the people that get the most value that you pay for. Mm-hmm. So it was our biggest fear. Oh, they raise. They're going to go for that vision. They never. And we I actually talked with Matilda a few times, a lot of time actually, and uh, it's probably something I could say, but they're going after bigger customers now, right? Yeah. The money, when you raise 150 millions, your investors want massive accounts, right? Yes. They want 1,000 support teams, call center, and then you move to the enterprise side of things. And if you look at their pricing at the moment, to me, it's outrageous, right? There's not... Mm-hmm. It, it's like they have a plan at $19, but it includes nothing, right? It's like, it's not even a trial, right? Yeah. And so in our mind, we still, yes, they did the curve, you know, they did, I don't know what the word you use, but, um, uh, you know, they educated people about the, about the, the category. Yeah. But in my mind, we still have a lot of potential growth because our product is about SMB and that's a massive and huge market and now I know and after five years they're not going after that market they're not interested Mm -hmm. and they're not even I would say a lot of their customers that are smart are kind of sometimes offended because like their price get jacked and they don't even have like a reason and they like they say oh your your contract is up now it's four times the price you paid last year and it's like what yeah and now they're looking for an alternative they find us and I was like, oh my God, it's the perfect product for us. And it's more for a, a small and medium business. Like, like, like totally. Business. This is so key. Like people sometimes get confused about, especially in our space, the SMB space, the indie business space, the bootstrapping space. They'll look at Intercom's pricing moves and they'll <laughs> go, what are those guys doing? Like, are they idiots? Like, can't they see that people are complaining? Like our people, like people like us, are complaining about the price increases. Mm-hmm. Like, this they, is they ridiculous. I hate these guys. Who's an alternative? And when I talk to Des about it, the he's one of the co-founders, he just says, he's like, Justin, so much of our business is big companies. Yeah. And we're just not as much for people like you. We're not for those people. There's nothing wrong about that, right? There's nothing wrong about it. And what I, but what a lot of people fail to see is they'll go, well, Intercom already exists. Why would I go into that market? They're big. Everybody knows who they are. I'm like, what you don't see is there's a whole market of people that are looking for an Intercom alternative. And this is the other challenge in our, in our space is we've gotten addicted to this mantra of charge more. So mm-hmm. people look at Intercom's pricing. They go, well, if I went into that market, I would have to charge more than Intercom. And it's completely wrong. Yeah, I never As you that. said, it's like you've got to charge less to make yourself appeal to SMBs, to smaller companies. Of course. And in our case, it's not just just for the appeal. It's also for the number of people that will join join them in Missive. So if all the business is in Missive, the value is optimized and they're really satisfied. If it's just a team because it's too expensive, then it's... uh, they get less return on their investment and it's more, you know, it's more expensive. Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon, transistor.fm slash Justin. You'll get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. There's another great, another great business started by uh, some folks in France, Crisp, and their whole thing is... And I mean, I love this product. They're, they're not like, they're not super famous on Twitter. Uh, you know, the, it's not like the, everybody knows the founder, but they are recommended so much by people in the indie space because the product is affordable, way less expensive. It's like for $99 a month, you get everything that Intercom is offering for thousands of dollars a month. And they've just said, you know what? We're just going to serve companies like Transistor and we recommend them all the time. It's a lower price product with tons of value for SMBs. And uh, they're just doing a great job. They've, they've built a really great product at an accessible price for SMBs. 
And so it sounds like this is part of your strategy as well. You're not going after the big enterprise customers as much. We're not going after the, we have demand, right? We have bigger teams now. So like we're not against, you know, obviously serving, but we have limits. You're not opposed to getting bigger customers, but we have a product roadmap and those customers usually require a lot of fine grain settings and uh, certifications and things that are really expensive uh, and that yeah. takes a lot of fun to do. Uh, so those are off. If you're big and you want to use Missive, you use it like it is, right? We did things like single sign-on uh, with ASML, so uh, with SAML, so people can kind of use Okta and whatnot, but that's going to be you know, most of it. It's not going to be like crazy fine-grained settings. Like, I want this user in that team not be able to do that. I want to log their every single action because my my employees, I don't trust them and whatnot, right? It's not about that. Missive is not about that. Yeah. And and your enterprise pricing is $26 per user, which is pretty affordable for enterprise. And it looks like on your pricing page, yeah, that's how you get single sign-on. Yeah. Single sign-on and IP yeah, restriction are the two main features. Yeah. I think sometimes uh, people forget how people buy products. Now, enterprise is, is one thing, like the, the way the enterprise like seek out products and hear about products and evaluate products is very different than SMB. And um, But most SMBs, you know, let's say you're 10 people or 50 people or 100 people, they find out, they, they realize they have a problem or they have a need and they go, okay, well, Janet, why don't you go out and see what's available and what the pricing is and what the features are and try a few out and then make a decision. And so Janet goes out, she Googles, okay, uh, you know, what unified inbox, mm-hmm. if she knows what that is, or she Googles uh, front alternative, mm-hmm. or maybe they're really upset about their Zendesk that's what's, that's what's causing everything. It's like Zendesk is driving us crazy. So Zendesk alternative. And then one of the things people look at is price. Like for an indie, pricing is such a great lever and having a lower price, not way lower, but just being a little bit more affordable than the competition for an independent who might not have the same brand as an intercom or whatever pricing is such a great lever. And if you're just a little bit cheaper, you can get a lot of customers because even a company of 100 people, uh, bosses like saving money and it, it becomes an easy sell. Hey, we could switch off Zendesk. Zendesk is like probably $49 per user or something. And so, hey, we could switch off Zendesk for customer support. Here's this alternative we found in Quebec, Canada that starts at... a month? Is that right? Yeah, $14 a month. Or we could get the mid-range plan for $18 a month. So we'd save, you know, whatever. We'd save $500 a month if we switched to Missive. It's just an easy sell at that point. It's like, okay, well, we get a better product and we get, and we save money. Perfect. Like that's, that's what we want. And uh, it's funny, even no matter how like how big the company is, like Basecamp switched to us. <laughs> and they, one of the things they, they said is they're like, oh, wow, we're getting, uh, in their case, they wanted more privacy, like no tracking on their podcast episodes. They got better software because surprisingly, indie teams, like you said, you guys care about quality. So you get better quality software. And then they're like, oh, and it's more affordable. Even, even at Basecamp's level, they're like, well, this is more affordable, you know, uh, bonus, right? So I, I think it's super underrated as a strategy, especially when you're trying to acquire more customers to have, you know, uh, a reasonably priced product. There's, there's nothing wrong and, with that. And I believe that, like, of course, the last 10 years have just been growth for everyone. But looking at the economic uh, landscape at the moment, like with the inflation yeah. and less venture capital, less money in startups. I mean, I think people will become more price sensitive. And in that case, those startup charging like already 99 bucks, 50, 60 bucks of users. Now people will be more price sensitive. They won't be able to lower their price. Their costs are also going to go up. And in that point, I always mm-hmm. thought like we built Missive for the next down, 
dumb run, right? Which is like, yeah. our customers so yeah. low. We charge far less. We're established now. You know, we yeah. we thought the down run would be like three years ago, but now I, you know, yeah. not that I wish for it, obviously, but uh, I feel we're built for a moment like this one because, like, our costs are pretty much zero. It's just the three of us, our servers. That's it, right? Some some other thing, yeah. and that's it, right? Uh, our, our our price is low, so if people get more price sensitive, it's like we're gonna uh, we're gonna find more business because of those reasons. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point because part of the conversation right now has been uh, there's inflation. Therefore, this is a good time to raise our prices, right? Like people are expecting that prices will go up. But the other, the, this, is, this is the problem with like prognosticating and, and uh, guessing what you think is happening in boardrooms and in Slack chats of other companies. It's just as likely that companies are going, shit, prices are going up, our margins are going down, it's more costly for us to hire engineers, it's more costly for us, Slack just raised their prices, we can't give that up, where are we going to cut? And they're going to look at some products and go, how come we're paying $99 per user for Zendesk? Like, what? is there a cheaper solution? Hey, Janet, could you see if there's a cheaper solution to Zendesk? And then Janet goes on, Google and types in Zendesk alternative. And if she finds something like Missive that is more affordable and looks like better software, and then she does a trial and she's like, this seems great and it's way cheaper, that's they're gonna go with Missive. But, but, but and you use I think the word people cheaper, don't consider cheaper, that. right? You use the word cheaper. And actually having lower price does come with some stigma, right? When I have calls with potential customers, it's like a lot of times they think like front is the better solution. It's like, it's like stop. Like, like everyone that switched is really damn happy with Missive. It's a really great product. The mobile app of Missive does every single thing. If you go use a mobile app on front, it's like it's half-baked. It's like just, I don't know, 30% of their, their features. It's never released at the same time. Missive, it's always, you know. And so it comes with a stigma. It's like, oh, you're the cheaper solution. The product must be cheaper, right? It's not the case. This is software, right? In their case, most of the money is to acquire new users, to sell, is to get used for ads. It's not for the product, right? Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of the money is spent on ads or marketing, not on the product. Yeah. So this is a, the downside, right? There's a flip side to everything. And... Which is why I think being, I think Nathan Barry said he tries to be within 10% of MailChimp's pricing. At least that was his initial strategy. So maybe 10% cheaper or maybe 10% more expensive, but within that range. In his category, MailChimp is really going to anchor the pricing. And again, you're still in the same universe as front like front is 1949 and 99 you're 14 18 and 26 well, those are yearly so we are monthly no contract right oh uh, they, they they've got their that dark yeah, pattern. i hate that i never i don't know i'll never do that we yeah. hate it too but on the other hand just so people are clear i'm saying uh, a lower price can be an acquisition strategy in the beginning. But that's not to say that you shouldn't be raising your prices. Like, you could maybe raise your prices at this point. Uh, Crisp, don't tell them, but Crisp could certainly raise their prices. Every day in, in our Slack, we're saying, I can't believe we're getting this much value for this price. Um, if they sent us an email and said, hey, you know what, we've added all this new functionality, uh, we really feel like compared to the our competitor... We would be happy to pay more for Crisp, you know? So I think there is that point that once you've established yourself and once you have word of mouth and once you have customers and once you've established your brand, then you can charge more. Um, the, the thing I think folks want to be careful about is you, you've got a brand new brand that nobody has heard of and people are going in and saying, well, I'm going to be the same price as Intercom or higher. And it's like, well... Why wouldn't I just choose the brand that I know? Yeah. <laughs> if you're the same price, why not just go with the more well-known brand? At the beginning, one of the levers you can pull is 
to be a little bit more affordable. And, um, and honestly, it can be a lever you pull f- forever, like uh, Card uh, by AJ, C-A-R-R-D.co. I think it's $19 a year or something like that. And the advantage is volume. It's just like you keep it at that price. If people keep signing up at that price and you're doing enough volume, that's fine. And uh, Adam Wathen told me a funny story about him. He had an introductory price on his course and he was just selling tons and tons of copies. And it said early bird pricing. And finally he's like, I got to take this early bird pricing off. And so he's like, okay, I'm raising the price. And he raised the price, which he had told people it was going to go up to. And sales just stopped. (laughs) I mean, not stopped, but he was making way less money. And he was thinking, I had this money machine Mm -hmm. that was just flowing. And then I raised the price and it slowed down considerably. It would have been better to keep the price low and to continue to have that volume. So there's a trade-off there. I mean, everything we say here and every other like uh, markets is just normal. Like it's classic, like if you want to sell your product, the lower it is, the better. Not necessarily better, but in technology for the last few years, it was always like raise your price. It's about status, yeah. right? Uh, you know, the counterexample yeah. to us is Superhuman, the email client. It's like they always said, we charge a lot for users. You can't use a product until you do onboarding with us. We want to train you to be the best. It's like the Tesla's of email client, right? Uh, and and. In a way, it's good because people accept the product to be really, really high quality, which is not, you know, uh, they have, but but they also come. It comes with a high expectation, right? Uh, but in our case, like you said, as being indie, as being small, as being bootstrap, as not being a so much great marketer or storyteller that could attract a big following, uh, pricing was always one of uh, the tool we used to to get eyeballs on the product. Yeah. And, and are you doing, you say you have a referral program now. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not like an affiliate program. That's a referral program. How, how did you implement that? Like, how does it work? What are the mechanics behind okay, it? So we did look at other solutions, but for privacy issues, we decided to implement like just a simple cookie ourselves. So it's all built uh, by ourselves. And it's actually both. It's a referral, but when you uh, get a trish, so at first it's just get discount of, on your existing missive invoice. But if you go over okay. that, uh, so let's say you refer for $5,000 uh, and then you only pay 50 bucks a month for missive. At one point, when you reach $500 in, in banked money, we can just pay you the remaining uh, uh, account. So, so we it. have people doing ads now. Doing ads on Google, oh, wow. uh, yeah, that's so. Uh, so that that's kind of cool, and they're they say it's breaking even. So you know they're better than me with Google AdWords because I never could break even. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the shenanigans they're doing, but it, it seems to be working. And um, yeah, but we just launched that before uh, before Christmas, and now we're having like uh, people doing you know training videos with missive that before they were not, you know, there's a big market of people doing training videos for ClickUps or Asana or whatnot. And usually those people get money with uh, referrals, right? And that's now a channels we're uh, uh, getting traction because people now can make money by kind of training or promoting people, uh, missive, sorry. Yeah, I think, I think some affiliates, I mean, affiliates have done really well for Transistor. And uh, not every market is like this. Like there are some categories that lend themselves uh, better to these types of things. Um, and largely it is those people that are like, they're, they're good at SEO, they're good at YouTube, and they're able to, you know, have a site that all it does is review tools. <laughs> and if you're in one of those tools, uh, they'll recommend you and then they get a little cut and... Uh, I think especially for independents that are in a category like that, like it's a kind of tool that people would review, it makes sense to incentivize those (laughs) folks somehow. Are you noticing like are most, is it, do most referrals come from existing customers or is is it now going the other way where, um, you know, people who are just like, Tool reviewers, yeah, mostly and, and customers. Those folks, yeah, mostly customers, yeah. So people getting discount on their own invoice, 
you know, let's say That's accountants or lawyers like that, you know, those people networks a lot. They talked about their process of their business and they say, ah, I found mm-hmm. that tool. It's amazing. My assistant can help me with my emails. And now he's just happy to send the referral thing because even if they're making a lot of money, like it's like Basecamp, right? With, with your tool, if you can lower your price, it's mm-hmm. always a win. So they just have that mm-hmm. small incentive to actually share the link that before they did not, right? Yeah. And do you have it in your app somewhere? Like, is it is it pretty yeah. visible? Yeah, so if you open the menu, you get like referral and the options, like settings, referral profile, and then there's a small like money emoji. So it stands out. So you, you always see it. Yeah. I think people like that idea of being recognized as well. Like I recommend products all the time. And sometimes if I don't have a referral link, it's like, man, like they don't realize I'm sending them all this business. I just want to be acknowledged. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I just want to add the acknowledgement. And so like Savvy Cal has a referral link right in their app. And if I'm recommending Savvy Cal, I always, I'm always like, oh yeah, there's a referral link and I'll like go and grab it. Not because I want to get, I don't really care about the money, but it's mostly just like, I want them to know that I've recommended them. You know, I want some acknowledgement. It's just like this base human thing where we want to be recognized. But in their case, you always recommend them just by using the product. Because like when we booked that, I received the email. I'm mostly using Calendly as, oh yeah, that that business. Uh, I I didn't remember about it. I just checked, right? That's the beauty of those business. They can promote themselves by just the virtue of offering their service. And we always try to find feature set that did that with Missive. And we really, really found some something that, that actually worked. Is, do you have something like, do you, do you have a footer that says like sent by Missive or anything like that? Yes. Uh, but like most people remove it, obviously, right? They put their own signature. Yeah. Uh, we do offer a live chat you put, can put on your website and it used to be mandatory, like, uh, like intercom and whatnot, it says like uh, from missive, but uh, we decide like to add a setting so people can just remove it. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, because Transistor definitely has our embeddable player says powered by Transistor and people can remove it if they're on the uh, higher tier, but it does help, again, for indie businesses, you just, you know, hey, what are these folks using? Oh, they're using Transistor. I just got a, uh, an email the other day, I asked people how they heard about us when they sign up and someone said, oh, well, I just looked at what my competitor was using and they had a feed, their RSS feed said transistor. So I just came and signed up. How, do, have you folks figured out a way of tracking where people are coming from? Do you have a sense of how people are finding you? How do you, how do you know, for example, that most people find you via word of mouth? Uh, it's actually the calls I have with customers. I uh, usually do a lot of calls. So every day I do calls. And uh, it's, it's one of the last questions I ask. So thank you for uh, having this call. Where have you heard about the product? And that's usually how, it's the best way to actually find out for real, right? Uh, and now with the referral program, we can see if it's coming from which customers referral? Yeah, who's it? Co- That's brilliant. H- how did you get the insight to do those customer calls? Like, how is that structured? They sign up and then you just reach out. Do you reach out to everybody or how does that work? A lot of potential customer will reach out with a question and usually we can schedule a call from those early emails or they're going to request a call. And when I see new customers that uh, seems to uh, have at least like, like four or five, six or more members, I might reach out by an email. And we usually, all, we send one auto email. We don't send like a really long, like we don't send 20 emails. We just send one. And usually people reply yeah. to that email and then we can schedule a call. It's all a manual process. Uh, yeah. But I book most of my days with calls. And uh, even pro- like people ask us, what's your uh, strategy for product roadmap strategies? Like we have calls and then... We have yeah. urge about what's like the pain. And usually it, it really comes from either emails or calls with customers. And, and sometimes there's something we knew for like the last three years, oh, that's, that's a pain. But then I have a call with someone and he really explained to me why it's a pain. And I'm like, oh my God, 
Like I'm ashamed. Yeah. We need to fix that like tomorrow. Yeah. And then like, but the yeah. customer are amazed because like, hey, it's 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 fixed. We shipped it because you explained it to me. Now I understand, right? Why it's a pain. And th that's how we do product at Roadmap. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, keep it simple. Like that is the the... That's one of the reasons I think this blog post that you wrote, uh, and people have probably seen it, uh, it's the, the things we did not do while reaching 2 million ARR. <laughs> I think what resonated with people is, you know, in our space, in startups, in, in uh, SaaS, there's this long list of things you got to do. We have to have, you know, we have to track every single customer, the, the life cycle of every single customer and how they found us and all these things. And really, you want a market where the simple solutions work, which is like, let's just do a call and talk to the customer, listen to the customer, and you get right away. You can, you can do all of these other things, like to figure out how they found you and attribution and all that stuff, or you could just book a call and have them tell you right when it's fresh and be able to interact. And there is something about being face-to-face -face with a customer and really getting a sense of where they're at, like what's going on in their life that brought them here today. Is there, what kinds of, can you give us an example of a revelation or a feature or something that came out of a phone call? Like what they said, something came out of the phone call and you're like, okay, you mentioned that you had to build something right away. Yeah, I have an example. Uh, I think that's something we fixed quite quickly. Uh, so we, we, we shipped the live chat on the website okay, a few years ago. And this really was more about marketing so people could see from Missive, right? So we really didn't mm -hmm. want to be on the market of live chat. But we thought like, hey, people ask for this. And we prefer to integrate with Entercom or other solution in Missive. But we said, well... If we release our own simple version, we might also get you know good marketing for it. And then we really ship like yeah. a nice, it's quite nice, but it's simple. Like it's basic. There's no bots, there's no like complex questions or whatnot. But it's it's a nice little one. Yeah. Uh, but we had no way. So when you uh, chat on the live chat, um, and um, so if if you are the uh, customer support guy, you reply. Uh, what if the person is not on the website anymore, right? So they don't mm -hmm. get like a, they have to go back on the website to see that there's a new message, right? So you need an email receipt. And we were always for like a year or two, even it's like, ah, it's like, we want a simple, like it's just a live chat and it must be simple. We don't want to invest too much time in it. But then I had a conversation with someone. It's like, look, I love missive. It's like live chat is just like a few conversation a month. I have on those. But it's useless. It's like people are angry about me because now they think we don't reply to their message. It's like they don't remember to go back on the website and then like you're like, you don't, like, you're like true. It's like now that you explain it to me, like I'm, I'm a machine that we offer the live chat without this functionality, right? Uh, so th th this is one example. I love that example because as you're telling it, I'm getting... Often I think, especially with, with um, like it sounds like you have a lot of people with strong opinions on your team. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our team is the same. We have, we have our own personal philosophies. We have our own personal ideologies, our own personal things. And in our bubble, we could say, ah, this is stupid. Like that, that idea or that feature, who needs that? Like, but when you come face to face with a customer, and they can really let you in to their space and say, like, this is my world and emotionally convey why they need something. It just hits so much harder, doesn't it? It does, yes. And, and, and then that, I think that's one reason the missive is, 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 is good now is because all our preconception that make missive quite rigid and usable just for us at the beginning slowly went away and we expand, you know, our vision and by talking to people. And yes, my co-founders don't take call. And usually it's me. And sometimes we agree previously. I'm like, well, now, like I talk to that customers and I talk like to many others and they're saying that it's like, even if we believe that it's not true anymore, like 
I've talked to them. They don't want that. They don't accept the solution we provide because it's too long or it's, or one example is like they don't, some business don't have a high level of trust with their employees. In our case, our mm-hmm. co-founders, it's like, we trust like the, you know, it's like the features about trusting your employees for some customer, it's really important. And now that they explain it to you, like I have a new employee every month, the process of removing it must be simple, else it's a pain, right? And like, well, that's true. We never actually deleted a member of our own organization and miss it, right? So we were not good at that process, but by having the conversation, you're like, well, now I understand why it's really important. Now I'm shit a solution. It removes those blind spots. Have you figured out a trick for conveying that to your co-founders? Like when you learn something and they still have a conviction that runs the other way, how do you navigate that? Uh, a lot of heated discussion. <laughs> yeah, we were three quite, quite well, especially me and Raphael. It's like a CTO. It's like usually this, Etienne is always like, you will understand all positions, the kind of guy that can actually kind of understand the positions. Like, well, I kind of agree with you, but also with you. Like, I'm, I'm not going to take a side here because both makes sense. Right? Yeah. I, I know where you're coming from, you too. But then we have a, like a heated conversation and usually we come to a common ground. But I mean, I guess it's the yeah. same in all like tech companies. It's like a lot of heated conversations. Or debate. <laughs> I mean, I think what, what's great is that if you have those conversations, the customer's world becomes so much real, more real. And then you, it, it, it is easier. Like when it's just like your own convictions about something, like the button should look this way or, you know, why would you need to remove a team member? We've never had to do that. But when you have a customer and you can say, listen, I'm just advocating for the customer right now. This is no longer about what I want as a co-founder or a team member. This is about what's going to be best for customers. And if that's, and really, the way that we are competitive is to understand the customer better than our competition. If we understand the customer better than our competition, that's how we win. When we can hear something on a Monday and have something deployed by Wednesday, that's where the indie SaaS company wins is... If front, that might take them six months to do that, but we can do that now in a week and we can take these learnings from the customer and synthesize them so much faster. So yeah, that's great. I, 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 that's amazing that you're doing that many phone calls. Yeah. Uh, and still, that's something that I did for, for a long time and, and I, I still want to do it because it's kind of a way to keep, we're a small team, obviously, like if I'm not doing them, nobody's going to do them, but even if we grow, I see myself still doing them, right? And I think like Jason Fried from Basecamp still do some of them. I'm not sure, but I think I heard him uh, say something like that at some point in the past. Uh, I think it's important to, to just keep being grounded and not being like, uh, you know, we something think we're really clever. Sometimes we think we're really clever and uh, we just build solution for, like from our imagination and we think they're good, but it's like having real conversation with people with real issues, like ground you and then it helps you focus on the real pain of your customers. Totally. I think, well, I think that's a good place to uh, leave it for today. I, I really enjoyed this. This is great to hear about, you know, what you've done, the journey. I think also getting into the, the nuance of how indie companies really do kind of get started and grow. Super awesome. Uh, where can people catch up with you? Your missive is missiveapp.com. Anywhere else you want people to check out? Uh, well, you, they can go my Twitter. Twitter, uh, it's P-L-E-H-O-U-X, so P-L-E-H-O-U. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And we're looking for a, a Ruby on Rails developer, if someone is interested, to join a really uh, small company, but that is uh, active and doing amazing things. Sweet. Well, we have lots of Rails people that listen, so... I'll, I'll, I can even put a link to any job posting you have in the show notes. Thanks for being here. Amazing. Hey, thanks, Justin. Thanks a lot. All right. So thanks for tuning in to that interview. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm M.I. Justin on Twitter. want to say thanks to our monthly Patreon supporters, Jason Charns. 
brand new supporter, Mitchell Davis from Recruit Kit, Marcel Fale, Alex Payne, Bill Kondo, Anton Zorin, Mitch, Harris Kenny, Oleg Kulig, Ethan Gunnarsson, Chris Willow, Ward Sandler. Ward, we, we accidentally haven't been mentioning Ward, and he's at Member Space. Go check him out. Russell Brown, Noah Prail, Colin Gray, Austin Loveless, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis, Dan Buda, Darby Frey, Brad from Canada, Adam Duvander, Dave Junta, and Kyle Fox from Get Rewardful. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.